All right. Um, so we get to hear from Pastor Russ. And when I, when I uh, think of Pastor Russ, there's a few words that come to mind, but um, tenderhearted is one of them. Um, ex- extremely good listener. Uh, a shepherd. A gentle teacher. Those are some of the few of the many descriptors I could use. Um, but uh, what I would rather do is hand this over to you and listen to you. So this is Pastor Russ Folkler. Thank you, Brent. My tender heart is filled. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys are looking brilliant. I can hardly see you. <laughs> um, yes. So there's a, there seems to be a theme about relationships. And the, and the theme of my talk is the relational gospels. And I didn't talk with Sierra at all. <laughs> so thank you, Holy Spirit, for orchestrating things. And... Um, Father, I ask that uh, that you would f- you would touch each of us, that you, by your Spirit, would flow and and work in each of our minds and each of our hearts. I ask that uh, the things that you want to develop, you, that you want to touch, that you want to expand, would be expanded uniquely for each person here. Mm. One of the themes, actually one of the main themes this year, the elders felt, is about uh, King Jesus, the kingship of Jesus. And so I couldn't really talk without also talking about that. And it fits as well. It always fits, doesn't it? So I noticed just this week there was a story about this former Navy SEAL. And his story really struck me as being relevant to, to us. He retired in 2010 after two decades of service, and now he has like a leadership consulting service and uh, as a partner with another uh, Navy, former Navy SEAL. And I'm going to read you just a bit of the interview. At what point in your SEAL career did you realize that you wanted to be a leader? And this is a man named, whose last name is Will, Jocko Wilnick, Willick. Jocko Willick, Link. And he said, probably in my second SEAL platoon, it was actually an interesting situation. We had a mutiny. The officer in charge of the platoon was a tyrannical leader, and he wasn't very experienced. He wasn't very confident. He made up for that by being tyrannical. And we rebelled against him and went before our commanding officer and said, we don't want to work for this guy, which is amazing, right? You don't hear... About very much about this happening, but it's also something you deal with in the SEALs, and it's also something you deal with in the military. If you're a bad leader, you're not going to be able to maintain that leadership position. So we rebelled against our leader, and then he got fired. And then a new leader came to take his place which was this extremely experienced, extremely capable, extremely intelligent guy who is also extremely humble and great to work for. And all of us just, just aspired to make him happy and make him proud and make him look good. 
Wow. Do you feel that? Wow. And we know a guy, as Brent would say, (laughs) whose name is Jesus, who is extremely experienced, extremely capable, extremely intelligent, and also humble. And so we just, we just all want to open our hearts to you, King Jesus. We want to make you happy. We want to make you proud. We want to make you look good, Jesus. I want to talk just a minute more about um, humility and being humble. Susan and I have the pleasure of actually doing pre-marriage counseling with my sister and her fiancé. And we've gone really deep already in the, the two sessions we've had so far. And at one point, they were doing the, if you're done the Danny Silks um, defining the relationship, it was the, uh, the DVD um, and, and monitor TV practice. And my sister shared, I am, I'm, I'm really concerned about whether I'm going to be able or and invited to show up in this marriage and also in this family. And this is because of her past relationship. And when, when someone is humble, that really makes space for us to show up, doesn't it? Whether it's a marriage or a friendship or, uh, or even our relationship with our King Jesus. Part of humility means that I'm, I'm going to make space for you to show up. Does that make sense? And so we all, you all get, you're all invited to show up with Jesus, Okay. <laughs> He's still the king. He's still leading us. He still is the one that we're looking to for leadership. But we're participating. And he, that's part of having a real relationship is everyone gets to show up in a, really, in a good, healthy relationship. And there's another tie-in. This is, um, this is from 2 Corinthians in the Passion Translation. We reject every shameful cover-up and refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the word of God. Instead, we open up our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight and presence of God. Even if our gospel message is veiled, it is only veiled to those who are perishing, for their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. And I'd say the analog is that like this SEAL platoon, um, we're actually invited to, to fire any influence that the God of this age has on us and get, and get the full leadership, the wonderful leadership, to come under the full authority of Jesus instead. Wow. <laughs> and uh, Susan and I do inner healing, and uh, we work with people who have you know, different parts of their heart, who, um, that are sometimes conflicted, and sometimes there are evil spiritual beings that are influencing them. And or even when we go to when we used to go to Burning Man, there was Susan explained to this one young man that he could fire this evil spiritual being that had been kind of running their, his life, and we all have that option to to to, uh, to fire them and ask Jesus to permanently and completely remove them from our lives. So some of you might have needed to hear that. I've been really captivated by a particular translation, which, like a lot of things, 
uh, Brent Locker told me about. It's called The Heart of Paul by Ben Campbell Johnson. And Brent talked about this years and years ago, and it just recently has just captivated me. So I want to share some things from, from this translation, which is a paraphrase. And here's the first, the first few verses. This is, again, about the relational gospel. The good news of a new relationship with God through Christ is transforming persons everywhere, including Thailand. Everywhere I have been, as it has been transforming you since the very first day you acknowledged God's unconditional love. And a little bit further down it says that you may grasp God's intentions for you, both in your head and in your heart, so that your lifestyle will please God, your efforts in ministry will be productive, and your understanding of who God is will continually enlarge. Now, that's a good word right there. Sorry, keeping everything straight. It goes on. We want you to be aware of that vast strength which springs out of your relationship with God so that you will have steadiness and be able to endure anything with joy. And then you will thank God, our Father, who makes us adequate through our participation in a community of transparent people. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Isn't that interesting that, that part of what's going on is we're living, the idea is that we, we should be living with our brothers and sisters as a transparent community where we don't have masks, where we don't pretend to be somebody we're not. And he, he makes us adequate to actually take off our masks because of his unconditional love for us. And this means that we're released from the confusion and meaninglessness of a closed life. And God has opened us up so that we participate in the authority of his son. So to me, what's meant by a closed life is a life that's um, self-protective, self-centered, uh, keeping everything else walled away. And a lot of us have really good reasons for being that way because we've been hurt in the past. So part of what God is doing is he's setting us free, he's freeing, setting us free he's healing our hearts, and he's calling us to, to live an open life, a life of transparency, a life of showing up. And not only that, did you catch the last part? We get to participate in the authority of his son. Did I mention that? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? We'll, we'll get to spend eternity unpacking that. The fullness of what that means. Paul goes on to say, I skipped, I'm skipping around a little bit, but these are all related. They're all from the first chapter of Colossians. Paul is addressing them, saying, You must remember that I, Paul am a special messenger. That's usually what we read apostle being, but this is, this is how Ben Campbell Johnson translates it. 
given the special task of bringing to fulfillment, remember that word, God's intention for you, which has been a secret concealed all these years. But now this now it is openly shown to God's people. God also wills for you outsiders. So God's people, meaning the Jews, and now he's talking to the Gentiles. God also wills for you outsiders, you Gentiles, to know the wealth of his own fulfillment through your addition to his family. Yeah. The wealth of his own fulfillment. Yeah. I like that word fulfillment. <laughs> and by the way, I want to pass, include you in that statement. Father God has great fulfillment through your addition to his family. Each one of you. And where is this leading? The, the bottom, and this is the same scripture, two different translations. So I'm going to actually read the bottom one first. This is one that's more familiar to you. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's, a good, that's a good scripture. You hear that a lot, don't you? It's very, very, very kind of a central scripture that a lot of things then grow from. And here's the translation from the heart of Paul, the secret to which I refer is Christ's intimate relation to you now, the hope of ultimate fulfillment. So one translation says glory, that's what we're used to, and, and this translation says fulfillment. Hmm. And I wanted to, this is something that's really struck me, is how things shift if you use the word fulfillment instead of the word glory, for me. But let's make sure that that's, that's legit, okay? So we're going to talk, we're going to look at the, uh, the Greek word a bit that was translated glory, and that's the Greek word doxa. In uh, Thayer's Greek lexicon notes, uh, it's frequently used for the Hebrew word kavod or kabod. But the Greek usage was for things like opinion, judgment, view, a good opinion of one resulting in praise and honor. And then when translating uh, kabod or kavod, it was splendor, brightness, magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace. So you actually almost need to go back to the, the Hebrew word <laughs> to really get a sense of it. And the Hebrew word... Uh, at its root means weighty. And it's used to convey honor, abundance, riches, splendor, majesty, dignity, good reputation. And poetically, it can be used as the heart or soul, which is considered, was considered the most noble part of a person, part of a human. So does it change things for you if you think of Christ in you or Christ in relationship with you, the hope of ultimate fulfillment? I don't know about you, but when I've heard things like, we sing these, these songs, which are wonderful, like 
all, all this for your glory, all this for your fame, and that's good that we do, and I'll be talking about that in a bit. So I'm not going against that, but it sometimes made me wonder whether God just wanted me to do things so he looked good. Did anybody, is, did anyone else wonder about that sometimes? <laughs> a, few, a few brave nods in the, in the audience. <laughs> um, and we're going to explore this a bit more in just a moment. If, if we see that God's purpose is, is about fulfillment, his fulfillment and our fulfillment because of our nature and his nature, it changes. At least it changes for me. This is a well-known passage from John chapter 17 in the New King James Version. Jesus prays to his Father, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, and that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory, the kavod, which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So this is about relationship again, isn't it? About Father God's love for us that Jesus experienced and now came to earth that we would experience. I want to talk about that word perfect. The word perfect in the Greek is uh, teleu, which means to complete, literally to accomplish and figuratively to consummate in character, consecrate, finish, fulfill. Ooh, there's that word again. (laughs) Fulfillment, fulfill. And so what if it's about being being made perfect, meaning fulfilling who we are and fulfilling the call of being fully part of Father God's family in this beautiful, connected love relationship. Rather than, rather than just focusing on the lack of sinlessness, right? Which we've used, how many have done that in the past? Like, okay, if I just am not sinning anymore, then I'll be perfect. No, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Here's a quote from Paul Manwaring from his book, What on Earth is Glory? We come to see that the very substance of God is that he is a father who delights in his children and created his children to delight in him. And I would even maybe, although Paul Manwaring has a wonderful way with words, I might even say the very essence of God is that he is a father. The key to our ultimate fulfillment is the anointed one, the Greek word is Christos, Christ, in us is intimately related to us. That's the key to our ultimate fulfillment, our ultimate completion. 
And this is back to the heart of Paul, Colossians 2, 2 to 3. I want each of you to be at home with yourself. You get to show up. To have unity in love. To experience fulfillment through a growing confidence and understanding. And to affirm the secret God revealed through Christ. Christ is the key that unlocks the treasure chest of God's wise purpose and plan. Wow. Thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit up here. <laughs> he's really, he's really uh, happy about this being shared. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. So, sounds like it'd be a really good idea to to uh, pursue and understand and, uh, and go deeper with uh, with the key to all of this, who is Jesus. And all of you have been. You all know this, but I just wanted to kind of lay it out uh, and to encourage us all and to help us think even more freely about it. Kind of take away some of the mystery of some of the words and, and try and get down to what the, what the relational meaning is. And by the way, that's something that uh, Ben Campbell Johnson says about his translation, is that it's, it's from the grid that the gospel is relational, that God is relational, and this is about uh, God's heart. So uh, Jim Wilder is someone who uh, really started the life model, and uh, which is, this is has to do with healing and growing and uh, connecting more deeply with God. And as a young man, he read through the Bible and summarized what he saw as the three most important truths to live from. Are you ready? Are you curious? What what what, what would your three be? They don't have to be the same three, but I think about that. Like, where do you get out of it? He decided to let, he was a missionary kid. He decided to let go of all what had been told to him and actually just read the Bible with God and try to find out, try to understand what are the key things. So the first one was talk to God about everything. That sounds good. Do nothing out of fear. Easier said than done, but a, a good goal. And love others deeply. I think that's a pretty good summary. Let's see. So... What I'm going to be talking about now comes from this book called Joyful Journey, Listening to Emmanuel. Everybody know what Emmanuel, who Emmanuel is? God with us, which is what Paul was talking about in Colossians, Christ in you, Christ in intimate relation with you, the hope of glory, the hope of ultimate fulfillment. And I have some handouts that... Um, I, I'd like to be passed out, and this is the time to start. Just so it's not. To, so, thank you for the folks that are helping with that. There should be enough for everybody to have one. I'm hoping. And also, uh, 
We also have pens. If, you don't, or if you'd like to have a pen, uh, raise your hand for that, and, and they will pass out the pens. We're not going to go there yet. I just wanted to start passing it out, and I'll keep talking about other things in the meantime. So try not to get too distracted. That's always a challenge if you're a speaker and you give a handout, then <laughs> people start looking at the handout, and, they, and you've lost them. <laughs> Pardon? Pretty much. Brent just affirmed me. <clears throat> so um, engaging with God, with Emmanuel, with God with us. And uh, thank you for the folks who are helping hand things out. And if anyone still needs a, needs a pen, uh, just keep raising your hand. Maybe, hopefully, we can t- take this out of the, the recording. <laughs> It'll be boring. So there's this, I see, I see Bill, I see Bill raising his hand. I feel like romper room, and I see Bill, and I see Joel, <laughs> I see Elisa. <laughs> so we're after this treasure, we're after getting even more connected with, with Jesus, with Christ in us, with the anointed one in us. And that's what we're going to be pursuing or exploring further in the rest of my, my time here. Okay. There are at least three reasons why we might not be aware that Emmanuel is speaking to us. By the way, it was great to hear about Sierra getting the message about what to write on the sign, wasn't it? Wasn't that cool? Yay. Sierra, you are in tune with God with us. Wow. <laughs> And, and there was some fulfillment for you, too, by doing that, wasn't there? For the woman who, who needed to see the sign, and also, for, and also for Sierra. Yeah. So one of them is, this is a, oh, let me back up one, I'm sorry. Um, okay, so one of them is that our minds might not be in a relational state. I'm not talking about California as a state. It's a dump dunk a relational state is a state where we are receptive to interaction with God and people. Have you ever been in a non-relational state? <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's actually been brain research to indicate that uh, while we're wired for relationship, the more there's also these self-protective areas and states that we can be in that are not very relational. And there's some signs when your relational circuits, if you will, are off. Here's a couple of signs. You think, I just want this problem, person, or feeling to go away. They need to change, shut up, or get fixed. Anybody had that thought? Never. I thought we were supposed to be transparent here. (laughs) Uh, Another one, I don't want to listen to what anyone has to say right now. I'm done. Yeah, been there. Uh, or your mind is locked into something negative and upsetting. I just, you think, I just want to get away. I want to f- run. I want to fight. I want to freeze versus staying relational and calm. Can't tell you how many times my wife said those dreaded words, Russ, we need to talk. <laughs> Anybody else being in a marriage with that? <laughs> And I'd sit there, but everything in me wanted to run away. 
Just saying. So were, were my relational circuits on then? No. <laughs> um, another another, way, another uh, sign is I get aggressive, interrogate, judge, or try to change or fix others, more focused on the splinter in their eye rather than the beam in mine. So that's... That's, so it would be a good idea if we wanted to connect with God or someone else to have our relational circuits turned on instead, wouldn't it? Yeah, this is just a really good thing to know, remember. We, we kind of covered it in the uh, Joy Starts Here class, but it's, I felt it was time for a refresher. So if you have your relational circuits on, you can use all your senses. You're, you're able to use all your senses. You're able to be flexible instead of rigid in your thinking. You can be self-reflective. You can attune, meaning you can get on the same wavelength as somebody else. You can use willpower. You can be open and interested in what others think, feel, and say. You can regulate emotions, work with others to reach understanding, and focus and shift attention. So, all those in favor of relational circuits being on, say aye. Aye. Very good. So that's one example of, what, of why we might not be aware of Emmanuel speaking with us. Uh, or we, we may be sharing a mutual mind state. I'll talk about that in a, in a minute with God, but not perceive which are God's thoughts and which are our own. That's not a terrible thing, but we might, we might miss some of the things God's speaking to us if we don't realize what's coming into our brain is actually because we're, we're connected with the mind of Christ. Yeah. Let's see. There's a brain structure called the cingulate cortex that makes it possible for meaningful communication to occur between two different minds by establishing a mutual mind state. So this is not Russ making this up. This is actually some brain science. And I think the the uh, one of the ones many of us can relate to is the way uh, a mother relates with an infant. They'll look eye to eye. And the mother actually, as they do that, they're actually, the mother is actually downloading part of her emotional capacity to the infant. And, and the mother leads the infant back from the painful, painful emotions like sadness or disgust or anger or shame in, back, back to being okay with mom. Because mom has learned how to do that, and she's, she's kind of downloading those, that relational brain, if you will, to her infant. Has anyone seen that? Yeah, here we go. New, new, relatively new dad, Matthew. When, is, when, we, when establishing a mutual mind state, we learn to think and feel the way we love, think and feel. And we can do that with, with Jesus. There's that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But we have the mind of Christ. This could be what that means. And the third reason why we not, might not be aware that Emmanuel is speaking to us is that we don't stop to check whether the characteristics of God's thoughts are present in our stream of thoughts, which is kind of related to the, la- the, uh, the previous one, number two. Okay, so what are some of the, the uh, giveaways that it's actually God's thoughts? I know you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <coughs> When we, are, when we are having a mutual mind with God, one of the characteristics is that we experience his shalom. 
If it was just our imagination, would shalom come along with that? Probably not. Not my imagination. Shalom is a state of harmony where everything works together, makes sense, and is good. I'm going to say that again. That's really good. Shalom is a state of harmony where everything works together, makes sense, and is good. Shalom is the peace of Christ. So that's one way of helping you, helping you kind of discern, well, was that God? If there's shalom, if that sense that everything is working together for good, making sense, and is good, sounds like God. Sounds like God's thoughts in your shared mind with him. So we're going to do an exercise. Did everybody who wanted one get a, a pen or a pencil or some writing implement? We're going to, but I'm going to lead you through a little bit, talk about it a little bit. We're going to have you, I have it written on your page too for if you can't read, read it way up here when I change the... Oh, there it is already. So you're going to take a moment and ask the Spirit to help you remember a moment of gratitude. Now, why are we focusing on gratitude? Because gratitude is one way to turn relational circuits on if they're off. Of course, what did we already do for an hour today? We were worshiping. We were expressing gratitude. And we were opening our hearts to God. And that actually helped probably many of us, go from being non-relational to relational. It's lovely that we have that much time that we can do that. So, so that's why we're practicing gratitude. Is the first part here is you're turning your relational circuits on or making sure they're on, and you're focusing on remembering a, a moment of gratitude. It's something that happened that you're grateful for. And allow the feeling of gratitude to fill you. This is all on your, on your paper as well. If you are able... Add why you are grateful for that experience. And if you're having difficulty, let God know and ask him to help you. Usually we find that when we are able to admit we're stuck, it relieves the pressure to produce results. God meets us where we are and helps us get unstuck. So I'm going to give you five minutes or so to practice gratitude and write, write, write it down. Focus on, feel, on experiencing and feeling it first and then write a little description of it after that. And if you've already written it down, your Thanksgiving, written your Thanksgiving down, pause for a moment and reflect on what you wrote and just go deeper into the appreciation and being um, kind of looking into even why you are grateful for that experience. Have another minute and a half. We'll be wrapping up in about 20 seconds. And you might just want to, when you kind of run out of knowing what else to do, you can also start just sing, start singing a song to, to Jesus as well in your head. A song of gratitude, a song of joy. Okay.
So are you feeling closer to Jesus, closer to God? That's the idea. And now we're going to go to the next step, which is step two. Ask God what he would say to you. Begin writing, but don't filter your thoughts at this time. Just start writing and, and allow the Spirit of God to lead you. Focus on putting down what you sense about his response to your gratitude. This is our humble attempt to hear God. In other words, our, our, we're allowing him to show up and, and, we're gonna, and we want to receive that. What you should write should resemble what good parents would say to their children after being touched by their children's gratitude. That might be a good way to start. Okay, you're going to have five minutes. I encourage you to focus on the feelings and not just information. What is, what is being conveyed from Father's heart to you, as well as the words?
about 30 seconds more. that and I, I know some parents will need to need to go pick up their kids but I do encourage you um, parents who are going to pick up your kids to also uh, find someone afterwards to share what you wrote what you wrote that you believe uh, especially what you felt God was saying to you but doing both would be great what what you, uh, the gratitude you were expressing to God and, and also what you felt Father was saying to you. So that's what I encourage those who don't need to pick up their children to do is just get with somebody else and share, share what, you, what it felt like, what, what you wrote. Part of, and this is actually part of making it this more real for us is when we, when we hear ourselves tell a story, it becomes more real to us. God becomes more real to us. Your experience becomes more real to you when you tell it as a story to somebody else. So find someone, someone you know, someone you don't know, and, and share what, what, you, what you experienced. So I bless you to continue conversing and, and then saying hi to other folks as, as long as you want, within reason. And I encourage you to come up and look at the scripture I put up at the end also. It's from uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. It kind of ties a lot of these things together. So I bless you to continue connecting with Emmanuel, each of you.